everyone, I'm Leora, and this is the Simply Lighthearted Podcast, a podcast where we look back at what has been true about God in the past so that we can look forward with hope to our future. A question that's been asked of me a couple of times is, what character in the Bible, what person in the Bible can you relate to the most? Like, who is the most relatable person in the Bible to you? And the first thought that I've often had is Moses. Now, as I've been reading and studying Moses, it feels very arrogant because as I'm recognizing the ways that Moses was a fantastic leader and his relationship with God and the closeness he had with him, um, I've, I, those are not the, those are not the pieces that I relate to. Um, The part that I relate to is the moment that God Um, calls Moses and affirms in him the call that is on his life to lead the people of Israel. And Moses is standing before this burning bush that isn't burning in the presence of God. And he basically essentially is like, "Uh, God, I think you have the wrong guy. I don't speak well. And I think you should just move on to someone else. I I don't think I'm the person for the job. And I have felt that way so many times in my life where I look at the work that's in front of me and the things that God has called me to. And I go, I don't know, God, I, I don't know if I am the person for this job. I think there's probably someone more qualified that will be more efficient or effective or will reach people in a better way than I can. I, th- I think you should just look elsewhere for someone else. And that is my Moses moment. That is where I find I am the most related, <laughs> the most I feel the most connected to Moses in that moment. The rest of his story is inspiring and it's uh, super interesting and I have really enjoyed digging in a lot more to the story of Moses over the last couple of weeks. And so I wanted to bring that to you. I wanted to bring to you the story of Moses because I think there's so many things that are relatable to his story um, in in the ways that he connects with Israel, uh, the ways that he connects with God, um, the call on his life and what he values. I think there are a lot of really good nuggets in here that we can see the truth about who God is and what he's like and how that can bring us hope um, when we're in our dark moments or we're in our confused moments of not knowing what to do next. The story of of Moses, in a way, starts long before um, Moses is born, and it starts even long before the Israelites are in Egypt. The story of Moses really starts back with his great, 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 many great grandfather, Abram. And Abram was a man that was living in the land of his father. He had a comfortable life. They did well for themselves. They lived together in a family group, which meant that they were protected. Um, They shared their wealth and their farming. They had everything that they needed all surrounded and protected by each other. Um, I can imagine that there were some great celebrations. Um, It's just living in community is just such a beautiful gift. Um, And that's where Abram was. But for some reason, God calls Abraham and Abram and changes to Abraham later. But I always stutter at that moment. But anyways, he's Abram when he leaves Ur. And God calls him to leave that place and go to the land that God will show him. So so Abram has to make this choice to live in comfort and familiarity or go to the place that God will show him, a place of unfamiliarity, a place of possible discomfort. He, he doesn't know what is ahead of him. He doesn't know what is coming. God just doesn't ask him to leave. He does give him a promise, a covenant saying that if he does leave, that God will do these things for him, that God would make him into a great nation. Now, 
especially in that time and especially in that culture, to be able to have children. It, it was more than wealth. It was more than status. It was, it was kind of your everything. And Abram and Sarah had not had any children. And so when God said that he would make him into a great nation, that's pretty enticing for somebody where the culture is um, children are are your legacy. They're, they're your everything and, and everything you own and everything that you do will be passed down to them. So that was pretty enticing. But God also said that God would give him the land that he would show him. And again, as a nomad, which is how a lot of people lived in those days, to own land, to live in a place where you that place was yours and you didn't have to move around and it, it, it something you could cultivate. And um, I, I can imagine that would be a dream of people to be able to do something like that, to have something that was theirs. Um, God also promised that he would bless him and that he would use others to bless him and he would protect him and that he would, um, he would protect him against others. And if others were cursing him, then it would be God who would stand up for him. And so again, that's a pretty enticing thing to leave the land of comfort, to leave the land of familiarity, to go to somewhere where you don't know um, where you're going to go. And then the final thing that God said was that through him, the whole world would be blessed. Through his family, God was going to do something great. And so Abram had to have faith, and this is faith with action. This is faith that moves you to movement, to action, to do something. It's something we believe in our heart, but we show it with what we do. So that's what Abram did. He did. He packed up his family. He, he brought along his nephew Lot. He brought along his um, his servant Eleazar and, and his wife, and they had quite a few animals, and they started off in their journey. Well, as they were traveling about, God did show him the land that he was going to give him, the land of Canaan, and it was going to be this uh, amazing place for his family to develop and, and to grow and to become into this great nation. But there was a problem. <laughs> Years into his leaving his comfort and his familiarity in the land of Ur, Abraham and Sarai still didn't have any children. Abraham is starting to to doubt God. I, I mean, I, I think he trusted him that God was going to do something, but I think Abram was starting to be concerned that maybe God was going to do it in a sneaky way, like not the traditional way, like, are Sarah and I not going to have children? He's thinking, is it is it going to be um, my servant Eleazar, who's like my best man, the guy that, you know, like does everything with me? Is he going to be the one that inherits all of this and it's his family that you're going to bless? And he asks God this in Genesis chapter 15, and, and God affirms to him, God tells him that, no, you you will have a son who is of your own flesh and your own blood, and he will be your heir. And he took Abram outside at that moment, and he, he said, look at the stars. I want you to look up and look in the world around you, and I want you to look at the stars, and I, and I want you to count them. And when you count them, I want you to be reminded as this is what your family will be. Your family will be as numerous as the stars. The Bible says that Abram believed the Lord and that he credited it to him as righteousness. So God is affirming to Abram and Abram is believing God and he's believing that God is going to do what he says he's going to do, even if it's unconventional, even if it's not in a way that he expects and even if it's not in the timeline that he expects it in. While God and Abram are having this conversation about his family being a great nation, God also tells him something that is important and that is related to the life of Moses. 
uh, Abram falls into this deep sleep and um, this darkness comes over him. And God tells him in this deep sleep and darkness, he, he says, know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in the country, not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward, they will come out with great possessions. And so it's just a very interesting thing that God tells Abraham long to, a long time before even Isaac, his son, is born, before he even has kids. God makes this proclamation. God makes this promise to Abram over something that's going to happen in many, many years, many, many generations from when Abraham is alive. And what we can know that is true is that when God says something, it'll happen. This is something that we can see later in the first verses of Exodus. In those first verses, we can see that the nation of Israel has been in Egypt for 400 years. And it's just such an incredible part of the story that sometimes I think we forget. He has this view of time that we don't have. He has this way of seeing things that is different than how we see things. And that's played out very much so in these very first crucial stories in the Bible that we read. We see that with the life of Abram and Sarah and how long it took for God to keep that promise or how long it felt for Abram and Sarah to keep that promise of, of them having a child. It was 25 years of them waiting. Now, if, if we think about our lives and you're wine 25 years back or for fast forward 25 years forward if God had told you something but he didn't give you a timeline after 25 years do you think that you'd still have hope would you still have faith that God would do what he said he would do God has a different timeline than we have and I think that's so important to remember and uh, we see things in hours in days in weeks in years, we see things linearly. His, his time and the way that he works, it's not that he works in a way that is counterintuitive to time or ways that isn't going to function with our time. It's just in a different way than we expect him to. So I have a question. Is there something that you're waiting on God to do? Have you given up hope? that he will do what he says he will do. I think it's easy to do those things in when we live in our timeline, when we live in our linear day-to-day -day moments, and we can get discouraged. I think there's something really powerful about this story of Moses, and before we even get there, recognizing that Abram knew that for 400 years, his people, his family, his flesh and blood would be slaves and mistreated in a land for 400 years. But there was a promise, a promise that God would bring those people out of the land where they were mistreated. And he would do that to show the people, the people of Israel and the people that saw and the people that heard that he is the one true God. God is always working out his plan, whether we see it or we don't see it, whether we understand it or we don't understand it. God is always working out his plan. And that plan is not for harm. That plan is for good. Abraham and Sarah had a son and they named him Isaac. Isaac and his wife Rebecca had twins named Jacob and Esau. 
The promise that went from Abraham went to Isaac, and from Isaac it went to Jacob. Now Jacob had some things to learn about character and following God and being the person that God made him to be, but he did eventually learn those things over time. But he made some pretty poor choices. He left the land of where his father was living, where Isaac was living, and went back actually to the land of Ur, where his uncle was living. And while he was there, he ended up getting married and they had a lot of children. Now, that's our super complicated part of the story. Super hard to share with children, especially when our culture is so different today. Because Jacob had two wives and two concubines. And so he had 12 sons total. Of those 12 sons, they obviously began to grow into a bigger family, a bigger nation, just like God had promised Abram. While that was all happening because of the different moms and the different things, uh, the brothers didn't really get along very well. And especially the older brothers with one of the youngest brothers, Joseph. Joseph was a favorite of Jacob. The brothers sold Joseph as a slave to the land of Egypt. Now, while he was there, there were a lot of things that happened in his life, things that were unfair. He was treated unkindly, but no matter what he did, God always blessed him and was with him. And Joseph seemed to know that, hold on to that truth that God was with him even in his pain. At one point near the end of the story of Joseph, Pharaoh was having dreams and these dreams were disturbing him because they weren't making any sense and he felt like they were trying to tell him something and nobody could tell him what his dreams meant. But Joseph had been known to some other people about being able to interpret some dreams. And so Joseph was found, brought to the Pharaoh, and interpreted the dreams. God gave him the message that he needed to know. Pharaoh was told that there would be seven good years and then seven bad years. And so they needed to save up their resources during the seven good years so they would have enough during the seven lean years. So Pharaoh thought, well... You are a pretty smart cookie there, Joseph. And he put him in charge of, of caring for all of the inventory and making sure things were kind of kept and brought to the place. And so those seven good years, they stored up all that they could. And then those seven lean years, they had more than enough and were even able to sell it to surrounding countries. Jacob and his family were living in the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised to Abraham and then to Isaac and now to Jacob. And he was living there and he knew better than to just leave the country that God had given him. He didn't know where to go and they were running out of food, but they had heard that there was food in Egypt. So the brothers went and got food. They didn't know that it was Joseph. They thought Joseph had died. And so when they got food from the Egyptians, they were a little surprised at their treatment. I'm going to skip a whole bunch of the story, but essentially, Joseph forgave his brother. He told them that what they had intended for bad, God had used for good. And so he invited his family, Joseph invited his family back to live in Egypt with them while this drought was going on, while there was a famine, so that they could be cared for. They decided that they would go because there was nothing left for them in Canaan. There was a great big famine and, and there was they would all die if they stayed there. But Jacob was a little bit hesitant because God had promised that this would be the land that God would give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now if they left it, it meant other people would move in and uh, it, they wouldn't be able to get it back, at least not easily. And so Jacob, just before he goes down into Egypt, he prays to God. He wants to know that this is God's plan because he knows 
that if this isn't God's plan to leave where he's supposed to be, to go to somewhere else, that it's not going to go well for him. So God and Jacob, whose name was actually changed to Israel, uh, had a conversation. And um, God tells Jacob not to be afraid to go down to Egypt because there is where they will become a great nation and that God would go with them to Egypt and that God would bring them back from Egypt. Jacob moves his whole family from Canaan into Egypt and there they're provided for for many years. But after a while, the pharaohs of the land begin to notice that this this family is becoming a very large and strong nation. They're farmers and, and work hard and their bodies are strong and they're united in so many ways. The Pharaoh begins to be concerned about what these people could do if they united against Egypt, that maybe they could conquer and take over. And I've been thinking a lot about this first episode and the ways that it's, it's complicated and how intertwined all the stories are. I was reminded that not everything wraps up in a neat little bow and not everything has a story that we want the perfect ending for. Now, I know this is the beginning of the story and and not nearly close to the end, but uh, it's one of these episodes where I'm I'm thinking about how do I how do we connect all of these things as a reminder of God's faithfulness? And the way that I see it in this story, the way that I see God's faithfulness is that his hand is in all of it. His hand is in the life of Abraham and then in Isaac and then Jacob and then through the generations of people that lived in Egypt as slaves. God said that he would go with Jacob and that he would be with the Israelites while they lived in Egypt. Now, as we're going to find out in the next couple of episodes, the Israelites definitely didn't feel like God was with them. They didn't feel like God was present. And I I have lived those moments. I've lived those times where I look around and my circumstances and the pain that I feel or the pain that I see, and I go, God, how can you be in this? How can you be here with me? when there's so much turmoil and and ugliness in the world around me. And I just want to remind us that without a pretty bow and without a way of kind of connecting maybe deeply with this story, just like with all stories, it's so important to know the beginning, to know the origins of where this is coming from. There's such a wealth that we can glean from looking back. Whether it's our own stories or the stories of those around us that we love or the people we care about or our neighbors, hearing their stories, hearing their origins, where they're from and what what has brought them to this place is almost as vital, if not more vital, than hearing the stories in the middle, the current stuff. Because it informs us so much more about who they are as a person and who we are as people. Don't neglect that part of who you are. Take the time to observe it. Think about those origin stories for you and your family and where you've come from and what God has done through that. 
I really look forward to continuing to move through the story of Moses with you. It's a beautiful story where there's going to be lots of twists and turns, and there's going to be a lot more depth into the character of people and relatableness. Is that a word? Ways that we can relate to the people, relate to Moses and their human experience. That's all I have for today, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.